Our second scripture lesson for this morning comes from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. And you're welcome to stand with me as we read this word. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Priorities. Well, <laughs> this is the third week of the Lenten season. During this special time of pausing and during this time of self-examination with the assistance of the Holy Spirit and God's word, I have a question for you. What have you discovered thus far about yourself? Uh, which attitudes and behaviors, actions, words, do you need to take on as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, which actions, attitudes, behaviors, words do you need to let go of because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Today's gospel lesson reminds us how important it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ and even as the church of Jesus Christ to constantly be in a state of examination, making sure that all that we say and do will reflect that of the one whose name we carry making sure that our words, actions, behaviors, and attitudes reflect that of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, may the words of my mouth and the meditation and attitude of each heart bless your name today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Master and King, I pray. Think back to the gospel lesson that was read in your hearing today. Can you see the people gathering, traveling to Jerusalem for a religious festival, the Passover? The temple that they were traveling to was located in this capital city. And needless to say, the people were excited because they knew that during this religious festival, they would have the opportunity of coming into the presence of God, confessing their sins as individuals. And also, they knew that 
there would be an opportunity for the nation of Israel to confess her sins as well. It would be the priests who would offer the burnt offerings on behalf of the Jewish pilgrims and the non-Jews as well. It would be the Jewish priests who would offer the burnt sacrifices of oxen and cattle and sheep and dove and, and possibly pigeons. Sacrifices being offered for the sins of individuals and also for the nation of Israel. There would also be money changers in, in the temple, money changers who were on hand to exchange the foreign currency that Jews from outside of Jerusalem would bring so that they would be able to use the correct currency for the purchase, for the purpose of purchasing the oxen and the sheep and the cattle and the doves that would be used for the burnt offerings. When one reads this text, the question has to be asked. So in the midst of people preparing to worship God through burnt offerings, burnt offerings that were described in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 1 and 3, why would Jesus be so upset? Read the gospel lesson again. He did not come in quietly, did he? He walked into the temple. He saw the activity that was going on. He braided a whip. And then he overturned tables and he told the people to get out of this place, this market, this mart. Because you have corrupted it, you have abused it, you have turned it, to, it, it into a commercial activity. Why was he so upset? It was, it was determined in the Old Testament that people were to offer burnt offerings. It was determined in the Old Testament that if you were to offer a burnt offering, that would be pleasing to God. Why was he upset? He was upset. Because what had begun as a genuine source of worship, what had begun as a genuine act of worship, had been corrupted. You, you see, you see the, the people who sold the oxen and the sheep and the cattle and the doves sold them at exorbitant prices. The, the, the people who exchanged the money uh, charge fees that were unacceptable. You had, you had people in the temple who were exhorting people who had come to worship God. It could it be that Jesus was also upset because where the animals for the burnt offering that would be offered for the sins of the people and the nation of Israel, where that Transaction was taking place, was in the outer court of the temple. The, the temple was divided into two parts. You, you had the inner court where the Jews worshiped God, and then you had the outer court where the Gentiles or the non-Jews worshiped God, and it was in the outer court that you had people who were selling. That's right, the oxen, the bulls, the sheep, the cattle, the doves, maybe pigeons, this is where the people were exchanging the money. Can you imagine non-Jews trying to worship God in the midst of that setting? 
Could it be that he was upset also because he saw the ethnic prejudice that was going on? What was good for the Jews, a place where they could truly worship the awesome living God, was, got, was not good enough for the non-Jews. The non-Jews were called to worship God in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all of the noise. Wow. I, I know there are some commentators who would say, well, yes, this particular text shows how human Jesus was. This shows the human emotion of anger. Well, I, I don't agree with those commentators. I agree with the other commentators that said uh, Jesus showed that Jesus has authority over all that takes place. Even that that takes place within those institutions that are called churches or temples. Listen to this, verses 14 through 16. Jesus confronts the system and its abuses. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Needless to say, there were folks who were upset because that day they were not going to get tithes nor offerings. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7, reminds us of the purpose of God's house. Please hear this. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. A house of prayer for all people, all people, including Gentiles. Well, Jesus was upset because the true purpose of the temple had been corrupted. Now, Jesus not only was upset because the true temple, the true purpose of the temple had been corrupted, but Jesus also used this setting in John to remind the people of who he is. And that is he is the one who is called to die for the sins of humanity. Jesus is the one when the, the elders in the church, the leaders ask them, so who are you? What, what gives you the right to create chaos in this temple on this day? Jesus said to them, you destroy this temple and in three days it will be raised again. It was that message that Jesus was sending to the scribes and others who would listen. 
that he is the Christ. He would die for the sins of humanity and he would rise again. There would no longer be a need for cattle and sheep and oxen and doves to be sacrificed and burned for the sins of humanity. No, Jesus the Christ would be the ultimate sacrifice for all humankind. How easy it is, beloved, for us within the body of Christ to believe that all that we're saying and all that we're doing is in alignment with who God is and what God has for us. But this text reminds us how easy it is to get off track, to begin to replace the one who is owed our true worship and allegiance with that that is to lead us to the one. How easy it, uh, it is for us to put in the 21st century the church, the institution, in place of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. How easy it is for us to put rules and regulations in place and keep our focus on that as opposed to putting our focus on the one who is the head of the church. How easy it is for us to think that our guidelines and our rules and the expectations that we put in place for people to follow are equivalent to who God is. We are living in a challenging time today as the church of Jesus Christ. There's so many people who want to remind us of who God is and, and what God says and what God's will is, and yet when we look at what they are proposing, when we look at what they are articulating, and we compare that to the one who is the fullest revelation of God, and that is Jesus Christ. The two are not in alignment. If your God says, it's okay for you to not like certain people because of the color of their skin, because of how they speak, because of where they live, then I would encourage you to rethink your priorities and go back and look at Jesus Christ and his life and his teachings. If your God says it's okay to live in a, in a silo and not be concerned about your neighbors outside of the walls of your community of faith, not being concerned about what they're going through, the pain, the troubles, the disconnections that they're experiencing. I want you to go back and look at the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. If your God says it's okay to hang out with only those who agree with me, it's okay to not be challenged by the thinking of others who also call themselves Christian or even those who are non-Christian. Go back and look at the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our priorities must be the priority of Jesus Christ. And in order for us to have that priority, then 
we must make sure that Jesus Christ is our number one priority. You see, all that we say and proclaim must point others to Jesus Christ. When they look at us, when they hear us, they must hear the voice, the priorities that Jesus Christ would have. Yes, this is the season of Lent. This is the season that I would suggest to you as followers of Jesus Christ that that we're going to experience disruption in our lives because, you see, we are intentional about examining our lives, making sure that who we say we are and whose we say we are and, and how we say we're going to live is really in alignment with the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Yes, this is the time for us to review our priorities. Is Jesus Christ listed on your priority list? Is he number one in your life? Is he number one in my life? Not just on a Sunday morning, not just on a Wednesday evening during a Lenten service. He wants to be number one, Pastor Michelle, in your life all of the time, 24-7. He wants to be number one in your lives Evangel Heights family, friends. He wants to be number one in your life. Visitor. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said that I have come that they may have life and have it fully. In order for us to experience the fullness of life that Jesus Christ desires for us to experience, and we're not talking about material possessions. Yes, yes, you may be blessed with a nice home. I am. You may be blessed with a nice car to drive. You may be blessed with, with finances. When he talks about the abundant life, it's more than about the possessions. This Jesus Christ, who is calling us during this Lenten season to continue to examine ourselves individually and as the body of Christ, is the Jesus Christ who longs to be number one in our lives so that we, not selfishly, can say, I have Jesus, and that's good, and that's enough for me. No. But so that we can share this Jesus, the one who sacrificed his life once and for all for the sins of individuals, for the sins of humankind, for the sins of the world, so that we can share this Jesus with men, women, boys, and girls who are looking for the fullness of life. 
Let us pray. How easy it is for us to fool ourselves into believing that we know all that there is to know about how to live a full and satisfying life, Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is we cannot know nor experience such a life on our own until we give you our lives. So give us the desire to want to make you our number one priority in every area of our lives. In our family, be number one. In, our, in the workplace, be number one. During recreation, be number one. In worship, be number one. To the end, that we will bring you glory and honor to all who we come in contact with. In your name we pray, amen.